Welcome to Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. I'm Greg. And I'm Erin. We've been married for 30 years, almost 31 years, and we lead the marriage team here at Focus on the Family. I think what we're covering today is something that everyone has noticed in their marriage, which is your differences. Differences can cause so much conflict, especially in the early years. If we don't learn how to manage our differences, we all have them. Yeah, we bumped into this like everyone probably right off the bat. I'll never forget. We were, I think, on our honeymoon and we had saved up. So we had a little bit of money that we could spend on whatever. And so I remember like dividing it up, giving you half. I took half. And so I I was, you know, what do I spend mine on? And I was stunned that you wanted to process that. Mm-hmm. Like you wanted to sit down at the table with our little stacks of cash and actually talk about how we were going to spend that. I know. And I, I was so put off by that going, here's your pile. Here's my half. If I want to burn my half, that's fine. Like it's mine I now. Like I can do that, whatever. And I get a little somatic <laughs> symptom going on you here inside. You look a little triggered. <laughs> <laughs> my heart rate just went up. Um, breathe, isn't that funny? Aaron, I breathe. don't know what... I was thinking about or why I had the need to try to control what you were doing. Maybe it was because we were newly married and I wanted it to be we. I wanted it to be us. And I wanted us to talk about everything. I was super excited about that. Yeah. I'm not suggesting that you were in any way, shape or form wrong. By doing that, it just took me by surprise. In Uh my mind, my expectation was, here's your money, here's my money, do what you want, I'll do what I want. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, that was still me operating probably more out of a single Mm -hmm. mindset. Mm -hmm. But we certainly are different when it comes to money. Mm -hmm. You know, we look at how to save money or how to spend money, all that a little bit differently. Really? Well, I, I'm. That's what it says in the script here. I'm. I'm just reading what it says. I don't. Okay, know, maybe that's true I am or not. definitely more of a spender, but I definitely am a bargain shopper, and <laughs> so true. I spend more on many little things. Versus for you, you're probably more of a saver, but you like to spend money on big purchases. Right. Like once a year, I'll spend money on this, some big thing. Yes. And it's, we're just different. And you know what? Mm-hmm. In the bottom line, I think one of the best things I've learned now 30, almost 31 years mm-hmm. into our marriage is there has to be room for both people yes. in the marriage. Mm-hmm. You matter. I matter. How you like to deal with money matters and how I like to matters as well. Yeah. Now I get that someone's going, yeah, really? Because my spouse has got a gambling addiction or spending money secretly. I mean, I mm-hmm. get it, the challenges that that can create, we've got to manage right. and deal with, but still there there needs to be room for both mm-hmm. in, in a great way, actually, to even learn more about this. We have a fantastic tool. It's a marriage assessment. We'll put a link in the show notes, but it, what it really will show you is on those differences, those different categories, where you guys are strong mm-hmm. and in some growth areas where you guys continue to to grow in that. Well, we've got some great segments coming up to really to help you work through your differences. Later on, we're going to talk to a recently married wife about how she's learned to communicate with her husband. We'll also hear a question from one of our listeners who wants to know, how can she get her husband to listen to what she has to say? So I'll be very interested in, Erin, how you answer that. Yes. But first, I had a really great conversation with Dr. Mike Bechtel about understanding your differences in marriage. He's an author, speaker with great thoughts to share. So let's listen to the conversation with Dr. Bechtel. 
Why do wives need to learn? I love this term. You say, how do women or why do women need to learn how to speak male? I think it's because when you when you meet somebody for the first time, you're drawn together by your similarities and you do things together. You like the same things and you feel like that's going to last forever. And it is the, that part of it. But then you start realizing that they think differently and they do things differently. You thought you had them figured out. <laughs> and then after you've been married for a little while, all of a sudden it's like that was the night in shining armor, but the little <laughs> rust is starting to show. Yeah. And it's like, wait, I didn't sign up for that. What happened? Have they changed? It's like, no, at the beginning, you're on your best behavior. And as you move into it, you get more comfortable in the relationship and you start noticing things that just weren't there because they were holding back a little bit. But that's when the real relationship starts is because you can start looking at each other, listening to each other and realizing there's a lot more here to learn from. And this person is not me. And it's not just because they're a different person. Uh, I think it was uh, Dr. Gray that wrote the book Men Are From... Mars, Mars women are from Venus. Venus. Yeah. And yeah. there's a lot of truth in that. That book was so popular because people are trying to figure out what in the world did I get into? Right. How long did it take you and Diane, your wife, to figure out that, hey, we're so different? Uh, I think it was 30 or 40 seconds. That <laughs> That's what, I, as you were talking, this image came to my mind. We flew straight from Phoenix to Hawaii for our honeymoon. And on our flight, I was like, okay, why did he do that? Well, you know, why did he just say that? I was like, yeah. what just happened? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that the fact that we were so different, not just because of gender, but because of personality and preferences and those little quirks. But we began to realize pretty quickly that we are very different. And so it is important, as you're saying, to really figure out how do we really manage these things versus see them as the problem. Well, somebody said it's like two porcupines that fall in love, that they want to snuggle and get close to stay warm, but they keep poking each other. And they've got to figure (laughs) out over time, how do you learn to do that and adjust the quills? For for us, it was on our honeymoon as well, because we drove from Southern California, just up about 100 100 uh, miles up in the Santa Barbara area and, nice. and went to the place my parents had gone on their honeymoon, the San Ysidro Ranch. And my dad always joked because when he, when they got there, they had given him two twin beds. And <laughs> we laughed about that. And we said, wouldn't that be funny if we got there and there were two? Sure enough, there were two twin beds. And, you know, all those years later. And then we started going back and forth about different things that we liked about the the, the uh, it wasn't a hotel but the lodge where we stay right, right. and the things that we liked and then we had difference of opinions and it's like oh I thought we were going to agree on everything yeah wait a minute we want to see this the same way and mm-hmm. you start realizing really quickly twin beds aren't going to work for the honeymoon right <laughs> granted you could push them together and there you go what would you say Um, You talk about in your book about women should never try to solve a problem with their husband when they're upset. And I know I know this from experience that if I come to Greg with a lot of emotion that it doesn't tend to go well. How come? Well, I think one of the things is the way the brain works, that men and women have different physical structures in the brain. For instance, men have more gray matter is what it's called, which is the area where they process and think. And they've got about 10 times more gray matter than women do. And it gives them the ability to focus on something. 
And so if you want to impress your your man, tell him that you recognize he has 10 times more gray matter than than she does. That's a great fact. I'm writing it down. Like, wow, Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. They have more gray matter and that helps them focus. They do. But the women have gray matter too, so they can focus, but they have what's called white matter, which is all the connective tissue. And they have about 40 times more connective tissue. So they're connecting everything that happens to everything else that happens. They're making those connections. So when there's emotion involved, it's not just one thing they're focusing on. It's all the different things. And it's real easy to go to a husband with the entire package and say, well, this happened and then this. And the husband gets a little overwhelmed if it's more than one and they just kind of freeze up and start eating Cheetos because there's <laughs> they, they can't go beyond that. Yeah. And it doesn't mean one's bad and one's good, but to recognize that men tend to focus on one thing at a time. Yeah. And for a woman to realize that it's going to help their communication because she may be thinking about all the different pieces, but if she takes them one at a time, focuses on that make that the issue and deal with it. Now you've got a way to have some communication that he's going to be able to respond to. That's awesome. And that's so helpful because when I hear things like that, I go, God made us very specifically. And so he gave men more gray matter and he gave women this more more white matter. And that allows us to integrate things. But it makes sense that then when I come to Greg with like lots of emotion in the laundry list of things that need to be solved, he gets overwhelmed. And he'll often say like, it feels like a tidal wave of emotion. And I can remember early on in our marriage, really sitting down and going, now, so when I come to you, you really think like I am one step away from like going over the edge because for him, it's so different. For me, the emotion just integrates in and, you know, we everything connects, but it's very different for men. Yeah, I think that's true because men, when they see emotion, they don't mind that their wife has emotion, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it scares them because they're not used to it. They're used to hanging out with guys that if something bothers them, they'll mention it. The other person says, yeah, that's a bummer. And they might say one or two things, they move on to something else. But when the emotion is there, Mm -hmm. they have high emotion. I mean, people say men don't have emotion. Well, watch when they're together watching a football game or if they're attending the World Series and you see all the stuff that's happening, uh, they have very high emotion, but it looks different than it does for women. And they don't know how to handle it when it comes at them. It's like, am I supposed to fix it? Am I supposed to get emotional as well? Or what am I supposed to do? So it's just that's where communication comes in. And to be able to talk about what they're feeling. Yeah, and, or what they're wanting. Yeah, what they're wanting. And just exploring what is, what's happening, what does this mean, instead of being afraid of it and not knowing what to do, which is a typical response for a man, because yeah. they don't know how to handle it. They don't care that the emotion is there, but they're going to need some guidance on, so what do you need from me yeah. in this? So you're reinforcing what I say so many times in my office when I'm working with couples, that you got to ask for what you want. He yeah. doesn't read your mind. And so you're saying as well, so if you're not asking for what you want and there's emotion involved, more than likely, he's not sure he's going to be successful. Yeah. And, and it's, we're probably going to come back to it, but it's one of the big overriding things I learned in working on this book was that men just aren't very complicated. Huh. They're pretty simple. And it's like, it's not hard to figure out, you know, women in contrast, there's so many different moving pieces that is worth exploring. But it's different than a man. And so for a woman to figure out what's a man really thinking, it's like, well, he may not be thinking. 
<laughs> yeah, we often talk about the research that was done when they UCLA put uh, brain monitors on both men and women, and they printed out the brain activity. And there were times, literally, that they found that there was a flat line when, according to them with men, that there was absolutely nothing going on. And that was so helpful for me to understand that when I walk in and Greg is staring off into space or my son is just staring off, he may not be having some deep theological or philosophical emotional experience going on, that he's just thinking about nothing. And yeah. you guys are much more capable of that than we are as women. Well, I think the same thing is true when when my wife goes out with her friends for lunch. Mm-hmm. She'll come back afterwards and she'll relate the entire conversation almost word for word. I, sometimes I've told her, I said, I think it takes you longer to tell me than the conversation actually lasted. But she remembers every detail and goes back and forth. And so I would go out to lunch with someone and it's like we had our conversation and we talked about things. I was very engaged, but now it's over. We were done. So I had no need to store that anymore. I'd come out and she said, well, how's so-and-so doing? I said, They're fine. Yeah. What'd you talk about? Stuff. And I seriously <laughs> couldn't remember. And that drives me insane because I'm like, <laughs> give me more. Like, tell me the details of it. Well, so now if I take one, if I go out with one of our kids or grandkids and take them out for coffee, we both do them all separately. Uh-huh. And... Um, She'll say, well, how's, how's Avery doing? And I have learned to hang on to, okay, key points. So give, give her at least three things that we awesome. talked about. But it's an effort. Mm-hmm. I have to be intentional, but it's because she needs that. Well, yeah. that's I, I have learned to give that to her. And she has learned not to give me the entire conversation, but bullet points. Oh. And we joke about it, but we've had to talk about it to figure it out. I love that. Learning how to speak male, because it really made Mm -hmm. me think about, for me, when we first were married, you know, communication for me was all about just trying to to figure out what's the purpose here, what's the question we need Mm -hmm. to answer, is there a problem to solve, a point to make? How do I fix it? Yeah, like as a guy, Mm -hmm. that's what I'm listening for, looking for, and it took me a long time to figure out that that you know for you is more the about the emotional connection mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. learning to speak male is really remembering that for a lot of guys you know we're geared more around communication to really thinking about okay wh- what's the purpose here what mm-hmm. am i trying to accomplish which is why Aaron seriously when you say hey i want to talk about something and therefore, I just need you to listen, or I really need you to help me think this through. Or even just a little bit ago, you were saying, hey, when when, when we're done teaching our little premarital class called Ready to Wed Tonight, could we come home and would you give me like 20 minutes to help me think through this outline mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, for a talk that you're working on? The point is, that is so helpful when you, when you give me clarity on what what you're wanting when i'm expecting or needing yeah. and in that and yes i do need you to help me with my talk tonight i told you i just, would just diagram this it out one time fix it <laughs> it's a problem to solve that's for sure you know and it's it's also something that i've learned over 31 years is that you do so much better talking to me if we're doing something yeah um you know going to coffee with my girlfriends we could sit and chat and go deep and go all over the place into a million different topics. But for you, like going for a walk, going for a hike, 
uh, Garrison, our son, shooting baskets out in the driveway. Yeah. Uh, just an easy way to access that deeper connection and communication. Yeah, there's. you're right. There's something about when we go for a walk. Of course, I feel like a dog. <laughs> but when we are, when when we're walking, we're even driving. Like that, mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite things that we do on a road trip is we call it you know windshield time. We haven't been on a road trip in a while. We need a good road trip. Yeah, because it was I'm not having to sit mm-hmm. you know and stare at you deeply in mm-hmm. the eyes. It, it's more that I'm looking out, you're looking out, but we're able to have good conversation. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why that is. There's got to be some you know research that's been done on why guys. You know, a lot of guys like that much better than mm-hmm. sitting across mm-hmm. looking deeply in the eyes. But when we're actually doing something active, I do. I, we'll even play a game. Mm-hmm. We've been we've talked about this. We love playing Monopoly Deal. Often when we're playing that, it just gives us the space to have good conversations. Yeah. Just what if we played Monopoly Deal tonight? And we mapped my talk out at the same time. All right. That's How about a, that? That's, that's a win-win. There we go. You know, Dr. Bechtel has a great book that we're offering for a gift of any amount. It's called, I Wish That He Had Come With Instructions, A Woman's Guide to a Man's Brain. So please donate and get your copy today. Yes, check the link in the show notes for all the details. We're here today with Sandra Minna, one of our most favorite people. We get the privilege of working with her here at Focus on the Family, but the bigger thing is that she is a newlywed. And so we're going to talk with her about communication and what that has looked like within her marriage. So Sandra, to start off with, what what are some of the big differences between your husband and you, so JC and you? So um, one of the biggest things that really stood out to both JC and I is that he's an extrovert and I'm an introvert. And that has, it's been interesting. <laughs> um, just she, she took a long pause there. Did you, did you hear that? Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> just um, how we relate to one another and to other people. Um, another thing is that he's a morning person. So the second he opens his eyes, he's like, let's have deep, theological conversations Uh. right now and i'm like i don't even know where i'm at right now like let's not exactly yes yes and then at night i'm the one that's just like and he's falling asleep and so like just those have just been some really big fun ones but also just how we problem solve. So mm-hmm. I like to talk about things right then and there. Hmm. And he likes to have some just alone time to process and really think about it. Yeah, which yeah. can be hard, especially if there's, you know, if you're in the midst of a of a difficult conversation or maybe some conflict, mm-hmm. you know, no, don't leave. Let's I feel disconnected already. Let's yep. hang in there. And yet knowing that. He needs some space mm-hmm. that, that can be super helpful. Yeah. So tell us what has been a key for you guys to work through these differences as far as how you communicate. So something that we've actually heard from you two <laughs> is just to be clear, be very intentional, say, this is what I need. Mm. Um, how can we collaborate on that? How can we figure this out? I think at one of your guys' conferences, you said, hey, if you need a timeout, say, hey, I just need like 10 minutes or let's come back to this tonight at Mm -hmm. five or, Mm -hmm. you know, having a clear time that you're going to come back to something has been so huge because I have 
this fear of abandonment. Mm. And so when he would just walk away and leave the room, Mm. I'd be like, are you leaving forever or are you coming back? Like what is happening? And so he knows now to say, hey, I need 10 minutes just to go process. Yeah, and that can be so painful, especially when someone has that tender spot of abandonment or rejection or being alone. So it's so good that you guys have learned how to qualify that to say, I'm coming back. I'm not going away forever. I just got to go take care of me, de-escalate, and come back so my heart's open so we really can connect and have a good conversation. And Sandra, I know that someone's listening going, that's me. I I have that same fear to being rejected or abandoned. So when when he goes off for his moment to kind of get his heart back open, do some praying, whatever he's doing Mm -hmm. on that break, what have you learned to do instead of like just sitting there, you know, in total terror? Is he he ever going to come back? Like what have you practically learned to do as he's taking some space? Yeah. um, The biggest thing is reminding myself that, in all the time that we've been together, has he left for good? Mm, no. That's powerful. He hasn't. He has always come back. It might be a little bit longer. It might be, you know, four or five hours or it might be 15 minutes. But he always communicates when he's coming back. Mm. And to this day, he has not not come back. Oh. He always comes back right when he said he was going to. Mm, that's so awesome because in many ways the enemy wants to sneak in in that moment and bring hopelessness mm-hmm. that oh no see he, he left he's not coming back versus you're battling that with truth mm-hmm. and going this is who jc has been mm-hmm. so more than likely he's going to show up in the same way and i know for me sandra same thing just self-soothing as mm-hmm. far as you know we're going to work through this it feels terrible right now but i know greg and he's committed to working through whatever it is and we're going to get to the other side of it and so that self-soothing can be so powerful Boy, and I so appreciate just really her uh, deep desire to keep growing and learning. Mm-hmm. And it'd be easy for her just to skate by or just accept that we're busy and we have a lot going on. But I just I appreciate just she has, just has this great desire to grow. Mm-hmm. And they're such a delightful couple. We're in a small group together and just they just soak everything in because they're just hungry to really do this thing called marriage well. Yeah, and there's a humility there that that will serves all of us well when we're able to to be humble like that. Mm. Well, now we're going to move into our weekly Q and A, and this is the part of the show where we answer your questions about marriage. Yeah, please send us your marriage questions. You can go to our website and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. And if your question gets answered on our show. We will send you a copy of our book, Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage, 12 Secrets to a Lifelong Romance, for free as a way of saying thank you for listening and reaching out to us. Well, today's question comes from Jillian. She lives in Maryland and she says, whenever I say something to my husband, I feel like it goes in one ear and out the other. How can I get him to listen to me? Is there any way to get through to him? So, Aaron, I'm so curious of how you will answer I Jillian's question. I have never experienced that, Jillian. <laughs> In 31 years of marriage, I will say that, yes, I get it. Sometimes I will just launch right into a conversation and 
Greg is just giving me the uh uh-huhs and the mm mm-hmm, and I know that he is not listening to me. And so several things that I've learned to do is to, you know, first and foremost, ask him, like, hey, are you available? Um, Or, hey, I have something to share. And, you know, are you available to listen, especially if it's something really important and even identifying like if it's something that is feelings oriented or heart oriented, I'll even say like, hey, are you available for a heart talk? And if he says no, then I'll say, well, when would be a good time and even scheduling it, because that makes all the difference to indicate to him like this is important. This is something that I really want you to hear me on. And I need you to give me your eyes and your ears and your open heart in order for us to connect around this tender issue. Yeah. And Jillian, I would I would also encourage you really review your method of delivery because, you know, th- there's times where maybe it's too many words to where I feel overwhelmed. I just get lost. There's mm-hmm. so much information coming at me. And I know, Aaron, you're you're really trying to explain and give mm-hmm. me context, but after a while, just too many words tends to shut me down, and it's mm-hmm. like it goes in one ear and out the other. You know, for some, it's monopolizing the conversation. You know, it's different than too many words. It's really where it all becomes about the speaker, mm-hmm. and it and there's times where it doesn't feel like there's there's room for me that I'm just a, a listener and I'm expected to respond with only empathy. Yeah. Well, especially if the speaker is triggered and, you know, they're being critical or sarcastic or lecturing, you know, that something got triggered within them. And this is actually a reaction and it's difficult to lean in to someone when they are, you know, being critical or defensive. And so just being aware of what's going on inside of me when I'm trying to get him to listen to me. Yeah. And I know, you know, it's been good over 31 years of marriage is just to be aware that, you know, my brain has a very difficult time with more than one task. You know, I'm not a multitasker. And so there are times, Aaron, when you and I are talking through something that that you might, again, to give perspective or Mm -hmm. to give another example, you might do what we call kitchen sinking, which Mm -hmm. you're throwing everything but the kitchen sink into the conversation (laughs) to where it's much easier for me to hear you when we're focused on this one issue versus, Mm -hmm. well, there's really 10 Mm -hmm. that we should be talking about. So let's talk about all 10. Mm -hmm. And that's when my eyes bounce back and forth between the 10 Yeah, and it it gets confusing. It does. And and I know your brain, you handle that perfectly. Mm -hmm. You can do that. Well, it just, I can't. And so that's why Jillian, I would just be curious if you talked about your delivery method with your husband and say, Hey, I'm just, I'm, I'm curious when, when we have these conversations, do I use too many words or do you feel like I'm monopolizing the conversation, being critical or sarcastic, lecturing you, you know, bringing up a lot from the past or dealing with more than one topic and just, it's called meta communications when we talk about mm-hmm. how we talk. Mm-hmm. And so clearly this needs to be outside of a, of a conflict sure. or a serious that's, conversation. That's but it'd be a good thing, like for Aaron, you and I, just to go. Yeah, let's let's have, when we talk. Does that work for you? Is mm-hmm. is my delivery method workable for you? Well, and I know often when we do um, marriage seminars with couples, we'll have them answer the question between the two of them: How do you know when I'm listening to you? Mm-hmm. And so really laying out, like, what am I doing that shows you I'm listening? That tells you this. I'm listening. 
Yeah, I you because every time you say it, and I've remembered it. You've told me, "Hey, I know you're listening, Greg." When you repeat back what mm-hmm. you hear me saying, mm-hmm. and I've told you, do you remember mm-hmm. what I've said? When I put my cell phone down yes. and my eyes are on you. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, though. That's a, I didn't even think about that. That's a great question, mm-hmm. Julian. That you can ask your husband. Yeah, what does it look like? How do you know if I'm listening to you? Mm-hmm. And that'll give you guys another opportunity, really, to talk about how we talk. Mm -hmm. So good. So good to have a a deeper level conversation. I love that that word metacommunication that we talk about, you know, how are we going to have this conversation and what actually works? Well, thanks to Jillian for your question and look out for your copy of Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. And if you're listening today and have a question for us, reach out to us, contact us. We'd love it. Go to our website and click the button on the side of our show page to leave us a voicemail. Thank you for joining us for Crazy Little Thing Called Marriage. We've loved having this conversation with you about working through your differences. Yeah, be sure to like, listen, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We want you to have a seat at the table every week as we help equip you and your spouse to have a healthy relationship, a marriage that you're both thrilled with. We also want to help you grow spiritually as a couple and as individuals, which we hope will help you to encourage other couples around you to help them have strong marriages. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk with you next week about this crazy little thing called marriage. Is your marriage holding on by a thread? For deep hurt, you need deep healing that only comes from the Lord. And you'll find it at a Focus on the Family Hope Restored Intensive in Michigan. Our licensed Christian counselors will help you and your spouse get to the root of your issues in just three to five days. And it works. 80% of the couples are still married two years after attending. Learn more at HopeRestored.com and talk with a trusted advisor. That's HopeRestored.com.